0: Welcome to the next in a series of research learning series podcasts brought to you by the Society for Academic Emergency Medicine. Hi, I'm Deb Dirks from UT Southwestern in Dallas, and it's my pleasure to present the Research Learning series today on the topic how to get faculty engaged in research. Overall, not a really complex topic, but really essential for us to actually be productive and successful. In emergency medicine, we always work better as a team, and frankly, with 24 hours a day, opportunities to enroll patients in studies, we really need the help from other people around us. So when I think about engagement, there's a couple things we can go over. One is, really, what is the definition of engagement? And if we can understand that, we can actually figure out what we need to do to get people to buy in. In the business world, there are actually seven definitions. One is the emotional commitment the employee has to the organization and its goals. Second, the art of getting people to believe what you want them to believe. Third, the emotional connection an employee feels toward his or her employment organization, which tends to influence his or her behaviors and the level of effort in work-related activities. Another one is the elusive force that motivates employees to higher or lower levels of performance. I'm not going to go over all seven topics, but I think there's really a theme. Engagement requires people to believe in what you do, to be dedicated to what you're trying to do, and be enthusiastic to what you need. If we can get that from our colleagues, we can get buy-in on our research. So what do you really want when you're actually trying to get engagement? You want people to do two things. You want them to be engaged in research in general. So you want your colleagues to believe that research is important to the mission of your department, but you also want them to be engaged in your research. And engagement in your research is what really is the key. Bottom line, no one's ever going to care as much about your research as you do. So when you're trying to get someone to be engaged in your research, it's really about persuasion. So what we kind of need to figure out is how do we get people to do what we want? There are actually five tricks to persuasion when you kind of look at the literature. One is Explain the reason for your request. Second, listen first, then ask for the favor. Third, give an actual gift in return for a person's help. Fourth, switch up the words you're using. And fifth, ask in person. So let's go over the first one explain the reason for your request. When we ask our colleagues to participate in research, we're asking them to do more work. And I have to be honest, adding work to somebody on a busy shift just makes people cranky. There's nothing worse to being in the midst of chaos and have somebody walk up to you and say can you please complete this survey so when you do that you really need to explain to your faculty what you need from them explain what you've done to make sure that what you're asking is the least amount you can do so you go over that you have already pre-populated vetted the survey you're going to only ask them as little as you can so their work is really limited on your project and they want to know and you want to explain what else you've tried before asking them? And this really comes into a situation. So let's say I need a person to complete a survey and we're doing one right now on frailty. So I'm looking at a survey. I'm looking at what faculty think um, they're gestalt on frailty. So I need to let the faculty know that I've chosen the least amount and shortest tool, that I've got coordinators doing everything they can. So all they have to do is draw a line. And that really It's important because there's no other way to assess gestalt. The second point is listen first, then ask for a favor. Really what that means in research is hear what people have to say and learn about their perceived barriers to participating in what you're doing. Part of that is understanding when they want to be approached, how they feel it impacts their workload, who they want to approach them. And when you're trying to get people engaged in research, timing is everything. As a a researcher, I have to teach my students that are downstairs, my coordinators, do not go up to somebody when they look hassled, upset, overtaxed. Part of that is teaching our research team to actually read emotional cues. Great time to go up to somebody is when they're sipping on coffee and look relaxed. So having your team identify when it's a good time to approach and when a bad time to approach is really important. The third point is give an actual gift in return for a person's help. We really can't bribe people to do research but you definitely can reward them. And this all gets to the fact that you can persuade people more with a carrot than you can a stick. So what you can do is do friendly competitions. Give the person who refers the most patients to your team a gift. You aren't bribing them to do research, you're bribing them to refer people to your research team. And that really gets around some of the IRB issues that can exist. I think we just need to keep in mind that what really matters to the group and individual. A gift may not be a Starbucks card, although they work really well. A gift may be, I need you to help me in my research, and why don't you be part of the writing team and be an author? That may meet that person's goal of scholarly activity and buys you an ally. I think the people that works the best on are the, what I call the full clinical shift load folks, the people that just work full-time, they don't get any reduction, but they also require to scholarly work. And they're great people to figure out what motivates them and what they would want to be engaged in research. In those situations, it's a win-win. Having engagement from somebody who works the most ships means you've got a lot of coverage and somebody who's there a lot. And then you've also helped them with their scholarly work because they also need to do that. The fourth point is switch up the words you're using. One thing I've learned is different people perceive what research is differently. For example, if you're looking on how to add residents, or I am currently looking on how to add resident impacts our work stress. I can go up to somebody and say, hey, I'm looking at how adding residents impacts are worse stress. Can you help me fill out a survey? Explains what I'm doing. Explains a topic that may be interested to the person I'm approaching. But that's a much more approachable and probably palatable way to talk to somebody than, can you help me with a research project on work stress? They may think in that situation, why the heck are you approaching me? You're just creating more stress. So really phrase things different ways. Try to explain things in your ask, what you're doing, approach them in topics. I had this great conversation with a resident, and they're like, I just don't think I like research. And I'm like, well, what do you have a question on today? And he's like, I really don't understand today why we have to enter X into the EHR three times. And I'm like, well, you could do a research project on that. You can actually look if you entered it less, does it impact things? And so sometimes people think research is purely a multi-center randomized controlled trial dealing with basic science component that they have no interest in. But sometimes if you explain your research in terms of the clinical impact, you actually get more buy-ins because people then realize why you're doing it and that it actually may be important to them because it may improve their workflow. The other key is ask in person. Persuasion in a way and trying to get people to be engaged in their research requires an art of salesmanship. And that means you really have to be able to read a person. It also allows that person to read you. You can't detect gratitude in a person's voice or at how they approach you if you're doing it by text. Kind of texting email is prone to misinterpretation and it does not actually reflect and allow you to reflect how you're feeling. So when you're asking a group to do work for you, stand up if it's at a meeting and ask everyone in person. Explain why you need them and how thankful you are for their help. That personal touch takes it away from just somebody shoving a piece of paper in their face or asking you to call a number to identifying you and your gravitas with the group and then ask. So try to ask in person. I know it takes more work. It's hard to get in front of people, but people will invest in you more than they'll invest in any project. That's great, but the reality of research is No one cares about your project as much as you do. Some of your colleagues may actually be opposed to your research. I have to admit, one of my most difficult challenges was when I was trying to enroll patients in a hypertension protocol, and we had a little mess up with one of the coordinators, and one of my colleagues got very upset. What I didn't understand at the time was what they just didn't believe in the project. So they weren't upset because we were approaching them, weren't upset they are asking for help, they just were upset with the entire study in general. And I think that's really important. You have to realize that some people don't like what you're doing. And on those people, you just gotta let it go. Have your coordinators not approach them and don't expect you. We got a bunch of faculty in our group we can engage a bunch of other people. We also have to face the reality is that we need other people to help us do our work. So create your team. If you have somebody who has gravitas to you, Just imagine how many more people you can buy in and how much more diversity and how many more kind of work friends you can engage if you have your team as five people versus you alone. I found a couple of landmines in my career, and one is always remember that clinical autonomy matters. Don't assume your colleagues will want you to approach their patient. Create a policy for your research coordinators to make sure that they ask to approach, and this actually helps meet IRB expectations. No matter what, people will not remember you are doing the research. So communicate, communicate, communicate. Everyone forgets about the studies. So nice, funny, interactive ways to remind them is important. And the more entertaining you are, the better. And also, competition for enrollment is never a good thing. Make sure you and your colleagues aren't going after the exact same patients for studies. Conflict within a group, especially around research, just means everyone loses. Around communication, a couple of key points. Not everyone checks their emails. Not everyone checks their emails all the time. Think about alternative methods for communication, whether it's group me or text to remind people about your studies. And everyone likes to be a winner. So congratulate people and thank people in a public forum if they help. Sometimes nothing really works. So you have to draw them in. You have to do a project for a short win. So you want to do a project that you know that the group will be passionate about. Work stress and resonance worked for me. Got everyone engaged. I've never had so many people complete a survey in my life, but they want they want more residents and if I can show a difference in work stress it's a win for them so everyone has participated. Sometimes culture change needs to be driven down by the top. If you're having trouble getting people engaged sometimes you actually have to act your chair and then you need to actually find help so you don't have to rely on people as much. So minimize your expectations from your colleagues. So that's all I have to say. I think the key to engagement is persuasion and communication and most of all it's you. People will invest in you if you always present you as the reason why you're doing research and ask people to help you and explain, I think people will get engaged. So thanks for your time.